We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The whistleblower behind the allegations of Chinese interference into Canada's elections is speaking out in an anonymous op-ed in the Globe and Mail. Amid allegations of Chinese interference in Vancouver's municipal election, British Columbia Premier David Eby says he wants a full briefing from CSIS. A food supply expert tells True North that milk farmers have long been dumping milk that exceeded their quotas, but the supply management fix is no longer appropriate while Canadians grapple with economic pressure. The majority of Canadians, according to a new survey, would reinstate capital punishment. Hello Canada, it's Monday, March 20th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury. And I'm Andrew Lawton. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. The Globe and Mail has published an op-ed from the whistleblower at CSIS who leaked documents to the media alleging Chinese interference in Canada's elections. Writing anonymously, the whistleblower wrote that the threat of foreign interference was raised with the government, but no action was taken to address those concerns. As the column notes, months passed and then years. The threat grew in urgency. Serious action remained unforthcoming. I endeavored alone and with others to raise concerns about this threat directly to those in a position to hold our top officials to account. Regrettably, those individuals were unable to do so. In the time that passed, another federal election had come and gone, the threat of interference had grown, and it had become increasingly clear that no serious action was being considered. Worse still, evidence of senior public officials ignoring interference was beginning to mount. Now, in the op-ed, the whistleblower acknowledges that he does not have any actual complaints against politicians, but instead hope for a deeper conversation about what Canadians can expect from their government. Andrew, one other thing he noted is that he did this at great risk to his family, and even had conversations about who would look after my family if I went to jail, acknowledging that this is a very serious thing that comes with very serious repercussions. The editor-in-chief of the Globe and Mail addressing why they allowed an anonymous op-ed, something they very rarely do. I mean, yet again, we show that this is a serious issue with high stakes. It is, although I I did find the op-ed to be a little bit self-serving. And I would say that, yes, obviously there's a risk in doing this. But I think at a certain point, if you want to put a statement on the record beyond sharing the documents with the media, you should be putting your name before it. And I mean, that's just a personal opinion. People can debate it. But I do think that at a certain point, this person is going to be outed. And, And I think the big question still remains, how hard does the government want to go after this whistleblower. And I I think public opinion is moving against the government on this, which means prosecution, pursuing prosecution, would probably be a huge political risk. This is a very good point. When it came to the controversy of invoking the Emergencies Act, freezing people's bank accounts, that was a very emotionally fraught and divided issue where there are a lot of people, particularly liberal voters, who were okay with 
what was very arguably a seizure of civil liberties for people who they didn't support convoy supporters. Here we're in a different situation where if they throw everything at this whistleblower and if they put them into a category like Edward Snowden and Julian Assange and uh, uh, Chelsea Manning, well, I think that public sentiment might blow back on the liberal government. Yes, I think it absolutely will. And I, there are a lot of things that I, I think still are not necessarily known for sure. A lot of people have been assuming this is a CSIS uh, source because the documents are CSIS documents. I've heard suggestions that it could actually be someone who's in the Privy Council office, someone who's in another aspect of the public service that has access to these reports. So it's not necessarily as simple as some people might think it is just to narrow down and say, okay, you know, there are only four people had this information and these are who they are. It's got to be one of them. So uh, that is, again, going to be an area where the government, uh, given its comments on this, wants to probably investigate this more than they want to investigate the interference. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And speaking of China's interference in our elections, municipal politics is not immune. Following reports that China's consulate in Vancouver meddled in the municipal election there... B.C. Premier David Eby says Canadians deserve, quote, a thorough and independent investigation, unquote. The Premier says he's asked CSIS for a full briefing but has not yet received it. Last week, the Globe and Mail reported that CSIS believes Chinese diplomats aided an interference campaign in Vancouver's recent election for mayor. CSIS reports said China's goal was to elect a specific Chinese-Canadian candidate through, quote, grooming unquote, the individual and bringing Vancouver's ethnically Chinese citizens out to the polls. In response to the Globe and Mail report, Vancouver Mayor Ken Sims rejected, quote, insinuations, unquote, made in the report. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who continues to reject calls for a full-throated public inquiry, defended Sims on Friday and said Canadians need to be very careful about such discourse. So yet again, we're seeing this, I, I think, rather bad faith response to this, that anyone raising these concerns, which are lifted directly from intelligence documents, is uh, stoking racism or making accusations of racism or insinuations, as Mr. Sims says. Yeah, Andrew, I have a lot of respect for Premier David Eby, Canada's only NDP premier, going in the strong direction of treatment for drug addicts, uh, doing a lot of sort of balanced statements on, on a lot of issues. And this, too, I think is very wise. He's saying he wants a full briefing. He's saying lay it all on the table. And there is a potential that his own caucus, one or two members, I, I suppose, could be implicated in it, not for any specific reason, just because of how broad reaching this thing goes. So I like that he's saying, just tell me everything. And it's a bit disheartening to see that Ken Sim named in all of this, because uh, a lot of people responding positively to the fact that he managed to boot out uh, the NDP incumbent mayor, and he's talking about getting tough on law and order issues. A lot of optimism about Ken Sim as we see a lot of mayoralty sort of flip in this direction across the country. But when he says these are insinuations and he's got problems with them, then I'm, I'm totally open to hearing him defend himself. But then let's do that with the particulars. Let's get it all out in the open. Uh, when Trudeau says we need to be very, very careful. Okay, I, I guess he's right. So let's be careful about it such that we have a full 
conversation, get all the details out in the open. What are the particulars that Ken Sim rejects? And then, and then we can wade through it that way. Yeah. And whether we're talking about Mayor Sim or whether we're talking about uh, the MPP in Ontario, Vincent Ke or Han Dong, the federal MP, the people who are the subject of these accusations should be the ones most enthusiastic about an inquiry. And so far, we're not seeing them call for anything like, like that. Canada's supply management system is coming under fire as Canadians struggle with the rising price of groceries. Supply management is a system that allows dairy, poultry, and egg sectors to limit the supply of their products to what Canadians are expected to consume. The belief behind the system is that a limited supply will ensure predictable and stable prices. However, Dalhousie University professor Sylvain Charlebois told True North that milk farmers have long been dumping milk that exceeded their quotas. And the supply management fix is no longer appropriate while Canadians grapple with economic pressure. Charlebois, an expert on food issues, said, quote, it's been going on for years, but today in 2023, with a heightened focus on climate change and the fact that food prices are skyrocketing, the context is completely different. I don't think that there is a social license for milk dumping anymore. Charlebois went on to tell True North that Canadian dairy boards want to keep the issue quiet because the Canadian public would be outraged by the extent of waste taking place while consumers face soaring prices. Dairy Farmers of Canada spokesperson Lucy Bolo told True North that farmers are in agreement. Bolo said, quote, no dairy farmer wants to see a drop of milk disposed, she said. You would hear that from all dairy farmers. But Andrew, I guess the follow-up question becomes, then can we dismantle supply management? It's interesting that this is a, a very niche issue in some regards, but then one of the broadest issues ever, because, well, I know what it's like to say, oh, I got three kids at home and my wife says, look, we're on the last bag of milk. Get on out there to the Loblaws before they close at 11 p.m. We need more milk for the morning. Oh, wow. Okay. It's something that uh, touches every Canadian family and the idea that this system is exacerbating uh, our cost of living right now. It's frustrating. Yeah, and despite the protest of Ms. Boileau from Dairy Farmers of Canada, dairy farmers are not crying over spilled milk because they have gotten tremendously wealthy over time off of supply management, which puts a very inflated price uh, far above what the free market would give to these products to them. Now, obviously, if any leader were to come in and transition away from supply management, these farmers would need to be compensated for quota. They've spent a lot of money to get quota. Quota is more valuable than the milk itself that they produce. But we have to start talking about consumers and also what makes sense. I mean, we do not put such protections for the vast majority of industries. In fact, in very rarely would there be any similar protection in any other industry. You can only manufacture so many cars. And if you make too many, no one gets to buy them. They get destroyed. That would be absurd. But with dairy, we just accept it as a given. According to a poll by Research Co., the majority of Canadians would support reinstating the death penalty. The survey released on Friday showed that 54% of Canadians support the idea of bringing back the death penalty as punishment for murder. The majority of respondents believe the death penalty will serve as a deterrent for criminals. Most prefer, though, to see life imprisonment sentences as opposed to actually sentencing convicted killers to death. Roughly one-third of Canadians think reinstating the death penalty would be a mistake. And in that group, about two-thirds are worried about courts mistakenly sentencing innocent Canadians to death, and 41% just believe murderers should go through a prison sentence for their crimes. 
Canadians last issued a death penalty in 1962 to two men convicted of murder. This is an issue that is not at all top of mind on the political agenda in Canada. I could not tell you the last time I heard a politician talk about this. I think it was the early 2000s. But it shows that there can sometimes be a mismatch between what politicians talk about and what Canadians think, regardless of you know what you or I think on this issue. Uh, more than half of the people in this country, according to this poll, are saying they want to bring this thing back. Well, there are various theories out there, Andrew, that say when people feel like proper sentences aren't being doled out, when people feel like the justice system isn't working, they're going to lash out further. So perhaps what's also going on here is that because we see that bail is just a joke now, because we see that every couple of years we have this bizarre discussion about whether or not Paul Bernardo should be let out because he gets those hearings. He's entitled to those hearings. That's how the system works. But one wonders, why does the system even work that way? Those are things that really frustrate people. And that may be fueling what this is all about. People say, why doesn't life mean life? Why is it that this person has committed a heinous crime and they're sentenced to this number of years and then suddenly what? They're out in the community. Why is it that someone is, is brought in and charged with murder or charged with something very uh, serious like a violent assault? And then wait a second, they're out on bail the next day. They've reoffended while out on bail. And I think that's probably what's fueling so much of this. I, I am not a big advocate of bringing back the death penalty, but I appreciate why people are kind of ticked off. For sure. And I think you're right that a lot of this comes down to bail issues, which we've been seeing a lot of in the news. And police, I think, have been a little bit pointed in their commentary on this. I I've seen so many police departments send out releases uh, in relation to crimes, and they'll make a point of saying, this person was out on bail. This person was a dangerous offender, and they were out on bail. And I think police are really trying to lodge in some subtle ways in other cases is perhaps not subtly their protest against what right now is a policy position that uh, governments are not really tackling, certainly at the federal level when it comes to the justice system. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.